Good morning, church. It's good to see uh, a few more faces in the congregation. I think uh, the rest of the people got the message. Because today's sermon is not going to be easy. You've heard me say it. This faith, Christianity, is not an easy faith. If you want it to be easy, you chose the wrong thing. You chose the wrong God. So I guess the rest of the congregation got the message. The rest of our members want the easy way route. They want the easy road. They want the wide gate. I'm not going to lie. I'm upset. It's not okay to be indifferent about a king who died for you. It's not okay. But we give excuses like, um... I was tired. I went to sleep late last night. I couldn't make it. Uh, I don't know why. I just slept in. Today's message is not going to be an easy one. It's one of those messages that when given, people say, I know, but they never really do. They are fully aware, but never really act. They have the ability to make it happen, but they just don't want to. It's a battle of disobedience versus obedience. My needs versus the needs of others. Sacrifice versus coziness. Individualism versus collectivism. Showing up or sleeping in. And the facade of being an active member in the body of Christ when in truth you're only lukewarm. Today, my hope is that we can rally together to be a church with a common goal. Not to be an agape with a common goal, but to be a body of Christ with a common goal. To seek after him, to love him, to spread his word, to pray for our neighbors and for our friends. To be able to give out of the abundance for the betterment of God, his kingdom. Not only financially, but in talent and skill, in our time. Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7 verse 18 says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You see, we want to follow God, but it's tough. We know we should read his word, but we don't. We want to grow the church, but time is sparse. 
We want to fill these seats. But deep down, honestly, we may not be proud of this agape, of this church. Let's keep it real. I love how honest Paul is with himself and his congregants, the church in Rome. He is fully aware of his sinful nature. And even better, he is open about it. He hides nothing. Paul is so open with his struggle, with his thorns. And Paul doesn't strike me as a leader who is aware of his failures and doesn't try to rectify it. But he wants his congregants to know of the struggle, know of the hurdles, know that it is real, know that they're not alone. And if you're going through something bad, don't worry, I'm right there with you. In order for this church to grow into what we as congregants want it to be, we must first be honest with ourselves. Stop lying to yourself. Stop justifying yourself. Stop making up excuses as why you could not. Imagine if God said, I want to send my son to die for your sins, but man, I'm a busy God. I just can't do it. We must be willing to give. We must be willing to work hard for it. We must be willing to put a little skin in the game, a little blood on the field. We must be willing to lead and to stretch outside what is comfortable. We don't want to be a half-baked church. No cream, no cheese, no chives. Nah. I am all about a full-baked, a double-baked church. Extra cheese, extra sour cream. I don't like chives, though. But if you do, put it on there. We want to be about something wholesome and good. Something that is sweet to God's mouth. Something that he relishes and he enjoys and doesn't say, your, your smell disgusts me. But it starts with you. It starts with your heart. It starts with your passion. It starts with your commitment. Not to the church, but to God. Because he says, follow me, and all of these things will be added. Not so much added in blessing, but, but in, in growing his kingdom. In a blessing that you may not even be able to understand, see, or fathom. In a blessing that goes beyond you and beyond time. We're so much about ourselves. We're so much, God, let me do this for you so that I can receive. He says it's more, than, more, more about others than you. You are loved. And you will receive salvation. You will receive eternity. You will be with me by my side. That is all the rewards you need. You don't need anything else. 
My blessings are not momentary. They are eternal. When I come to save, I don't save one. I save everyone. When I come to love and to commune and to fellowship and to encourage, I don't only do that just for one person. I do it for the entire body who is committed and willing to come to me. Open and listen, ready, hearts out, arms wide. Committed members of the body. Committed followers of Christ. But if you're not willing to grow the church, spread the gospel, work hard, have skin in the game, bleed a little bit, be heartbroken a little bit, then what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Be hot or be cold. Because at least we'll know where you stand. At least we'll then know the players from the spectators. And spectate all you want. Just don't get in the way of the players. In football, if the cheerleaders run out onto the field or the coaches run out onto the field or the water boy runs out onto the field in the middle of the game, the game will stop and say, what are you doing? You're a spectator. You are not a player. You do not have game. You are not willing to bleed. You are not willing to work hard. You are not committed. Step off. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 18, talks about laziness. And the next grouping of scriptures talks about laziness. And we love to say, we're not lazy, we work hard. I don't know. Let's read it. 10, verse 18, it says, Laziness leads to a sagging roof. To a roof that is not tended to. To a roof that has water and nastiness dripping on it because of an unwillingness to care for it. Laziness leads to a sagging roof and idleness leaks. Leads to a leaky house. Leads to a leaky church. Proverbs 10. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Proverbs 12, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Proverbs 13, lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. I love this one. Being one of the members who's been in this church for a while, I've had the opportunity to talk to many, many people. And I've heard the concerns, the arguments, the I want this, I want that to happen. I want our church to grow and flourish. I want us to be on fire for the kingdom. I want to spread the gospel. I want to go into the community and assist those in need. I want to volunteer. I want to give of my time and my energy. 
Lazy people want much. They got a lot to say. They want a lot of things. They want stuff to happen. But they're unwilling to work for it. They're unwilling to suffer for it. Those who work hard will prosper. And I'm not talking about financially, but I'm talking about in the kingdom of God. Proverbs 12. It says, despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin. For their hands refuse to work. I had an amazing conversation with one of our congregant members this past week. And it was heartbreaking. Because the conversation led to, to discussing agape. Where we are, who we are. We talked about its history and its, its moment of thriving. We talked about being 300 strong. Till God put it upon our leadership's heart to serve the poor. Now we're 25 strong. And in that conversation, I asked her, well, do you think agape is a dead church? She said, unfortunately, yes. But I relish and I'm, and I'm excited because we have a God who can resurrect. <laughs> if it's a dead church, that is fine because the miracle will be that much greater because we have a God who commands life. He ruled death. He defeated death for our sake. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. Romans 12, 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord, dot, 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 enthusiastically. Be excited for service. When we say, hey guys, it's time to serve, to work. We get groans and huffing. But I'm tired. I work so hard already. I've worked throughout the week. This weekend, oh, I don't want to. But fine. And God's like, what? I don't need you. You think I need you to get my work done. This is for you. See, for me. When it comes to giving, financially, giving a part of ourselves, giving of service, giving of things, giving of time. Again, there's no rejoicing in it. There's no enthusiasm. There's just obligation. I guess I got to give 10%. Okay, ain't got no choice. That's what we do. We're so apathetic, so lazy, so crazy. And then we think that we're not. That's what gets me. 
And this is not a message that I'm pointing fingers. Understand that I am part of this group. I am part of this team. I am part of this church and this family and this kingdom. I have God looking at me doing this. But I want to share in it. I want you guys to understand the struggle. It's, you're not alone. Leadership is right there with you. It doesn't matter. You're not alone. Today we're going to talk about three ways to become an active member in Christ's body. And there are many. There are many others. But I want to say that these three ways are going to hit home. They're going to challenge you. They're going to make you uncomfortable. Talking about three ways to be an active member in Christ's body. To fulfill a covenant that you made as a member of this body. Not as a member, again, of this church, though that's applicable too, but the day you accepted Christ into your heart and gave over your life to him, you just became a part of something greater, something bigger. Today we will hopefully start the journey towards a church we can all be proud of. A church we are excited to share with the world. To bring friends and to be an agape that we love again. A church that is enthusiastic in service to God. But it first starts with you and your commitments. If the church is dead, that means you're dead. Because a church is nothing more than a collection of believers, a group of believers. So if the church is dead, you're dead. Plain and simple. If the church isn't succeeding, you're not succeeding. If the church is on fire, you're on fire. If the church is thriving, that means you're thriving. It's not that you don't have struggles. But God is good. He knows how to bless in the midst of the struggle. Before we jump into it, everyone should have two response cards. Two cards. If you don't, just raise your hand and one will be given, or two will be given to you. All right. So you keep your hands raised. And so you'll need two response cards because one is going to be used to respond to the message. It's going to be used to challenge you. It's going to be used for you to make a physical commitment. When I say physical, I mean you're actually going to write it down, which means you can't erase it. You can't undo it. And then the other response card is should you need prayer for anything. You can write a prayer request and bring it up after church. And our team, our leaders, will pray for you. So make sure you write your name on it, because we want to know who you are. Well, it ain't about this hidden Christianity. If you want to be in the closet, 
Should have stayed home. <laughs> Number one, the first way to be an active member in the body of Christ is through your gifts, talents, and skill set. Romans chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. It says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the other members. Check it out. And each member is a part of the collective. You belong to everyone else. You are not by yourself. You are not an individual in this body. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then do so generously. If it is to lead, then be diligent. And if it is to show mercy, do so with a smile on your face. So according to scripture, God is painting from the, the collectivistic era. And he's leaving behind this, this individualistic life. That is not in his picture. It's not in his game plan. If you want to talk about individualism, there's only one individual we need to worry about. And that is God. That is Christ himself. That is the spirit living in us. He is the only one who can be the body. In total, we are all just parts. It's not about your personal needs and wants and desires, but rather, it's about the needs of the entire body. Essentially, if you got the skills, then use it to strengthen the church and to glorify God. If you have the gift of finance, worship, fellowship, cooking, praying, teaching, communicating, cleaning, I don't care what it is, writing, calligraphy, you name it, singing, DJing, acrobats, painting, I mean, I don't, photography, marketing, I mean, can I go on? If you got the skills, God is saying, I got a place for you because I gave it to you. It's, it's, it's not your skills, trust me. I put it in you from birth. All I'm saying is produce. Speak up. If you got it, we want it. We ain't trying to ignore it. But if your laziness is creeping up and you don't want to show it, that's on you. That's all I mean. I don't know what you're all good at. I don't know what secret talents you may have. But you do. And if your friend, check this out, guys. 
You know your skills. You know your talents. But if your friend is too shy or humble or really doesn't want to write it down and say, you know, hey, guys, Keto, man, he's really good at this. Like, Keto's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to share that because, nah, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to give it. I ain't got the time. Maybe. I'm, not, I'm picking on you. I don't mean it. All right? But if Mino knows that Keto has the skill, Mino, you write it down and put Keto's name next to it. Like I said, if you weren't ready to be challenged, you should have stayed at home. Seriously. We're not going to tell Keto that Mino wrote something down. We'll just say, hey, we heard. That you're really good at this. <laughs> In this situation, snitches don't get stitches. They get nothing but love from me. Just do it. <laughs> so number one, in order to be an active member of this body, you must be willing to give of your talents, of your skill set. So this is where your response card comes into place, on the back of it, where you have that white space. I want you to write number one, and next to it, skill set, or talent, or gift, or whatever it is. Number one, Skill set, talent, or gift, whatever you want to write, just one word. And then put a colon next to it because I want you to think about what it is that I have that I can give to God's kingdom, God's body, holistically. If you're good at something, write it down. Don't be humble. Don't listen to Kendrick Lamar. Brag. We want to hear it. God already knows it. The church wants to know it. Number two, to be an active member of the body, you must be willing to give of one of your most precious or the most precious resource that we as humans have, and that's your time. Not only giving your time to the church, but more importantly, giving your time to God. This means to be in an ongoing and active relationship with God, to fellowship with Him, to read His Word, to pray, to be a living vessel of His kingdom. In following Him, you must also make a conscious decision of the time you should allot to the role you play in the body. So your entire life needs to be about God, no matter what you're doing. You could drive and still be about God. You can work and still be about God. I don't care what the profession is. You can come to church and be about God. And trust me, some people are like, well, well Rich, isn't church about God? I don't know. Not always, Let's, right? We're being honest today. You can come to church and be about God. You can go to sleep and be about God. Your entire life can be engulfed by God. God is not, remember, God is the keeper of time. He doesn't just take time, he extends it. So you can be about God in every single thing that you do, and you won't waste one second. You must be willing to give of your time. 
But in doing so, you need to consider how much time you do need to allot to the body. Because, yeah, you might go to work eight hours a day. We're not going to say, hey, we need you to do the church finances during your work. That don't make sense. Right? But if you are tasked with the responsibility of doing church finances, then maybe you need to say, hey, look, three, out of, three hours, five hours, six hours, ten hours, depending on what it takes, I need to give of myself, give of my time. I, I need to give myself away. Did we just not sing that? Passionately, I give myself away. That's what we did. The worship team killed it. You know, I mean, they were praising. But you got to mean it. You said it. I didn't say it. You said it. That was such a good pick, man. I loved it. Mino didn't even tell me he picked that song. But now you got to do it. You said it. I love it. You put it out there. And God's ready to collect. You need to give of your time. You need to think about it. Don't be unreal. Oh, I'm going to give 40 hours a week to the church. <laughs> Don't be unrealistic. Unless you're employed by the church full time, don't be unrealistic. God's just saying, I want your entire life. And the body is saying, well, to fulfill your responsibility, give of the time that you need to fulfill your responsibilities. Plain and simple. We're not asking for an excess, but we're also not asking for the bare minimum. We're asking for excellence. For example, the worship team, which for everybody that's here today right now, outnumbered the congregation for the first three songs. The worship team practices Saturdays for two hours, morning time. Um, Sunday morning, they come also and practice for another two hours to make sure not only their hearts are prepared for worship, but that it, it's not distracting kind of worship. It's a worship that facilitates And then every other Sunday, they meet for three hours to discuss the ministry and its growth, to talk about its future, to talk about its potential, to talk about how can we bless this church and grow it and work hard for it. And that's just the time we spend together. Because as musicians, you all know, we practice by ourselves, whether it's in worship or whatever it is, we sing and sings all the time. And then Mino takes a good, another good amount of time, another chunk of time. It wasn't, yeah, it's not over. Another chunk of time to not only pick the songs that he prays over. It's not like, hey, one, two, three, four, I'm done. That he prays over. That he asks for direction for. That he goes through the lyrics and sees what it means and tries to connect the dots, not to just pick some haphazard list of songs that we sing but rather lyrics that will facilitate a message during worship. And then he must pick the keys. And then he must tie it all together. And then he must orchestrate it. And then he must choose who's going to lead it. And then he must come to the team and present it and up update the Dropbox so we all have it. That's the worship ministry. That's the time commitment that these ministers give and have given for years.
to be an active member of the, uh, of, of the body, to be an active member, you must hold close Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. For that says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As though working for the Lord and not human masters. That's so good. That's so good because, yes, we do have a lot of things that we do, and we do work hard on a lot of things. God says, do it not as though you're working for human masters, but do it as though you are working for me, for him, for the king, not the president of the United States or any other president that came before who we do hold in high esteem, like, oh, if I work for the president, I would work hard. God's saying, what? I am way above him. He is but not even an ant. Like, he is a speck of dust. He said, work as though you're working for me. Not for the human masters and the humans that you hold so dear. Active, hot, and on fire Christianity, on fire followers of Christ, takes time. And the only way to be active in the body is to make and give of your time. Response cards. Number two, time, dot, dot. Think about the time you need to give to fulfill the skill set you wrote above. If you said, I'm a great teacher, well, how many hours does it take to prep and teach? If you say, I'm, oh, I love praying, good, we need it. How many hours, I didn't say minutes or seconds, are you, are you willing to set aside to pray for the church, for the congregation, for God's kingdom, for others? And finally, number three, to be an active member, you must be willing to tithe. <laughs> you must be willing to add to the pot, to contribute in some type of consistent financial way. Now, the word tithe is often associated with negative connotations. Because it often points to a sore spot in our walk with Christ. We often do really well in recognizing the shortcomings of our ways. Like, I'm a sinner, I know. I'm a bad person, I know. I curse at times or... I lie and cheat and steal or whatever, whatever, whatever your vice is. I got smashed last night. I give into gluttony Monday through Sunday. I mean, that's real, right? Till Adam put me on this diet, I was just <laughs> loving it. Loving it. Me and Ann, we were just going in. Buffets, right? But we, but we, we will readily admit that 
I have failures. God, I give myself. You know, like we will so readily admit it and, and confess it and share and encourage others to say, amen, I'm right there with you. I feel your struggle. But we rarely confess, hey, I don't give nothing to the church. I never tithe. I never put in out of my abundance because I want it. It's mine. It's like Gollum, my precious. <laughs> right? My precious. I love that. He was so infatuated with that ring. He was so infatuated with the power that it gives. And he was so infatuated that he would kill for it. He would steal for it. He would be willing to be transformed for it. His life was consumed by it. He would die for it. And it's often that we do the same with money. For me... This is a sore spot. This is a vulnerable moment. It's because it's embarrassing. Plain and simple. I see how others give, yet I don't. I know I have the money, but like I said, I love it. Right? I love it. I know the word of God and even more so my conviction to be a responsible member of the body and to, be, and to add to the collective pot so that the church can pay rent amongst other bills and, and, and assist those in need and, and provide for its community and do a variety of other things that yes, money does provide. Let's, it's not a bad thing, right? But it's embarrassing. Because it's an actual public, physical representation of the struggle that I have with my flesh and my spirit. My earthly wants and desires over God saying, hey, I'm here. Where are you going? What are you looking at? You don't need none of it. And my flesh is just so strong. I always reference that verse that talks about the light that is within you, that if that light is drowned out, how great is your darkness? How great is your turnaround? If that light that is Christ that is in you and is being snuffed out by darkness, this king, this greatness that is in you, if that is being snuffed out by your darkness, how great is that darkness? How unimaginable is it? I love that verse because it reminds me of how evil I am, how strong my flesh is, not because my flesh has victory over the king, but it's because I give it victory over him. He's already been beaten. This darkness is already gone. In the presence of God, there is no darkness, but only light. But God loves us so much that he says, it's your choice, though. Satan gives us no choice. He says, if I can take, steal, kill, and destroy, I will do it. You, you have no choice. 
when it comes to Satan. But God says, I, I'm going to give you a choice. You could choose darkness or you could choose light. You could, you could choose greed or you could choose to let go. I know I should be helping, supporting, and giving the church, but I don't. I didn't, not for a long time. I love how God has a sense of humor. He knows my struggles, so he gives me a wife who has no problem giving things away. It's frustrating. I'm not, it's, it's, man. Like, we ain't got money, and she's tithing. We're like, I'm like, babe, what are you doing? Did you check the account? She said, no, you, sh you should make sure the money's in there. You don't even check their accounts. She, she never checks their accounts. She just dies. It's, it's just my responsibility to make sure the money's in there. And it's not that like it's my money. It's both of our monies. But she, she's just like, it is what it is. Do it. You know, and we, we talk about it. But the thing is, my spirit knows. My flesh is like, oh, come on, man. Again. But my spirit is like, really, you're you going to argue that? You're going to be upset because she gave money to the church? And I love it because it's in that battle that my spirit wins, that I keep my mouth silent, though there may be some grumblings in my flesh. So she's been an amazing example to me of what it means to be giving, to give. It's, it, I get into these arguments with her. And, uh, this is now confession time. I get into these arguments with her. She gives out of gross. That's before taxes. And then when we get paid taxes, which we don't get paid that much taxes, we have to actually pay, but when we do get paid taxes, she then ties on top of that. You give out a gross. She's like, hey, I'm going to give if I receive. I'm like, I love that example. It is a testament to me. She is a leader to me. What makes it worse in my not cont contributing and in our not contributing is that we are leaders. And some of us, on top of that, we are members. And in addition to that, the church is in need. I have the means to help, but I'm stubborn, I'm greedy. And I want what I want, and giving money away to my flesh doesn't make sense. So rather than giving financially, I prefer to give excuses. Such as, and I think this is going to resonate, I give in other ways. I give of my time. And you know time is money. Or, how about this, I forgot, so I'll, I'll give next time. Oh, I can't at the moment, uh, but I'll commit to doing it next week. I can't afford 10%. Not right now. We have too many bills to pay. Ah, I just spent all of it. Next time. I'm going on vacation, and I need to save every penny. Because you know God wants us to rest. Or, how about this? I was on vacation, so... I wasn't at church, so I couldn't give. Like, technology has not been developed. Or a really good one is, I'll pay it next month. I'll make up for it. Don't you love these lies you tell ourselves? So good. We're so good at this. 
10% is an Old Testament law. It does not apply to Jesus' time. Man, that's, that's real. Every excuse in the book comes out when we must give a small amount of our earnings for the benefit of the body. But regardless of circumstance, take it from someone who personally and intimately knows this specific idol. There's always a way to give. Trust me. I love money. Ask my mom. From, from yay big, I've been about that cheddar. <laughs> it tastes good. It gets me stuff. But you know what? There is always a way. Let me give you a tip. Look at your food budget. Take it out of that. Trust me, there is an abundance there. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We use 10% as a good marker, but I understand that some of us have financial struggles. That yeah, times do get difficult, and yet you don't maybe every single dollar is put towards bills or rent or debts or whatever it might be, maybe. Well then for the time that you're struggling, give less. Remember, God says, give what you have decided in your heart and then be joyful about it. Give less in those times. The church is not this angry body that says, if you don't give, we hate. We don't know, we're not like that. Give of what you can, and then when you come out of those hard times, give more. It's just that simple. Don't when you come out of those hard times, like, ooh, I've been giving so little, I'm going to keep that. No, give more. Increase it. It says to give what we have decided to in our hearts, to give what makes sense. For some, it's 30% of their income. And guys, this is real. This is not like some fictitious thing. Like, I know people who give 30%. And I'm like, wow, that's almost a third of everything they make. And don't get any ideas. <laughs> Man. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but seriously, don't. Um, for others, it's 3%. But give in accordance to what you have and don't shortchange the church. But then when you give, do so cheerfully. Don't, when the offering plate comes around, be like, oh, I'm going to pray. And just bow your head and say, oh, I don't see no offering plate. Do so cheerfully. To be an active member in this body, you must be willing to contribute to the financial foundation of the body. Some or most of you already give. However, I'm going to ask that you make a commitment to give consistently. So again, on the back of your cards, write number three, financial commitments. And then I want you to think about it, pray about it. Don't, don't just throw a number, oh, I'm 10,000 a week. Don't, don't just throw a number out there, 15%. Understand what 15% means. 
But whatever you do, here's the word, consistently. You're not only going to be asked to give of your talents and your skills, you are going to be asked to give of your abundance. And we're going to enter a time of response. And I want to read this, this passage, James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20. It says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warned and be filled, be warmed and be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead. Being by itself. Verse 18, but someone may say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe, but guess what? They also shudder. But you are willing to recognize, you foolish fellow. Back in the day, foolish was a curse word. It was like, it was no joke. It was serious. It was an insult. You foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. If this church is in need, if this body is in need, and you say, go in peace and be warmed, without giving the church what it needs to survive, then what use is that? We have faith. I know it. I've seen it. I have seen it. We have hope and we have love and we trust and we encourage. We have faith in God. We have faith in the body. We have faith in one another. But we don't got works, guys. We do not have that. It's useless without works. It's useless without action. It's useless without your talents, your time, and your financial support. And understand this, to be active in the body, you don't get to pick and choose which of the three you need to fulfill. It's a package. You got to give it all. You got to give it all away. We do not want to be a half-baked church. We want to be a church that is on fire and something that we can all be proud of. Amen?